Net podcast. I know it's been a long time since we were on the air, uh, but uh, post-COVID, we thought it would be good to relaunch the uh, the podcast. And I'm delighted today that our first guest is a good friend of H2 Learning, uh, Donal O'Reilly. Donal, I let you introduce yourself, give your full title, and delighted to have you. Thank you, Michael. Uh, I don't know, do I have any titles? My brief history is I, I, I'll start at the beginning. I, I qualified as a metalwork teacher way back in 1996 and uh, went through different phases of uh, teaching in various schools, became deputy principal in Killorgan Community College, did a, a year of acting principal there actually as well and was hoping to, to stay on there a bit longer. But uh, Destiny had, had, had other plans for me and I joined the Centre for School Leadership as a coordinator, post-primary coordinator in 2019 and uh, I'm currently the post-primary deputy director. Brilliant. And aren't you a lucky man that you're down there in that beautiful part of the world, uh, in, in the Lown. Um but a cork, um, a, cork, a cork man on the missions in Kerry, I like that's to say that's right, Donal. I never I, I always give you grief about that, uh, that you came over the border. But anyway, we're delighted to have you. Um Donal, recently you and I well we've had many chats, but we were talking about blended learning and we were talking about flipped classroom and I know that this is something that you have experienced yourself as as a teacher do you want to tell us what you did and why you did it and how you did it I'll start with the why I did it Michael um I was a, I was a deputy principal I was teaching uh, I was also involved with the PDST and the Tarnish the program um and between my 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 day job my extracurricular work and my dealings um, with Kerry ETB, uh, network meetings, so on and so forth. I was missing a lot of time. I was teaching technical graphics, which is a very difficult subject to get the sub in, uh, the, the, the specialist sub. And I found that my classes were going behind. Uh, I got into teaching to make a difference to students. Um, and I saw that my work was having an adverse effect on students. So I said, how can we fix this? So I started recording my lessons perfecting them then, importing them into iMovie in, a, in, a, in, in, in Mac and editing them and all that. And then it, it became a burden on me. And I said, uh, <laughs> that's not the answer either. And I quickly went through different phases and, uh, and, and six months, nine months, 12 months into it, I said, look, let's fly. Let's, 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 let's go and let's do this as it happens in real time. So I went up to the science room. I got a, a retort stand, I think is what the name of it is. I got a... Um, a selfie camera from the euro shop or the two euro shop and I clamped it onto the retard stand and I clipped it in my phone and I just had it over my drawing board and it recorded my voice and it recorded my drawing for the, le the lesson be it a, a five minute demonstration at the start be it going through the full drawing which I put a uh, pause and so on and so forth and I go up to the, the, the office and I, at that time, that was pre-good Wi-Fi, Michael down in, in Killorgan anyway. And I had, a, a, we got a separate line into the, the administration offices in the school. And I popped my phone down the desk and I left it go straight up to YouTube. And when I went up there, it was sent out to the class in uh, Google Classroom at the time. In yes. its raw state. Mistakes there, apologies, rubbers, everything. Just as it happened inside in class. And actually, that was the turning point. That's that's then when I got buy-in from the students because students were seeing that this is the reflection of what's happening in class. This isn't yeah. the perfect drawing produced uh, with a, yes. an intro and, and all the rest of it. That's very interesting. 
Um, and I think just, you know, there is probably one of the first things for people to take away um, because Pat uh, Brennan, who's with us here today as well, and I often experience is that when teachers are preparing digital material, uh, whether it's a PowerPoint or it's an audio or in your case, uh, a video, that production quality doesn't need to be at the RTE level or the BBC level that, uh, you know, we, we should lower the the production quality as long as uh, it is relevant to the students. What would you say about that? Without a doubt. And I suppose I'm talking about 10 years ago when, when there wasn't these very, very fancy and cheap apps on, on, on the iStore or the Play Store. And there is it's it's actually getting easier. It's getting easier to produce top quality productions without yes. spending hours and hours. And because the students kind of, we still have to produce the quality work that the students are, are used to and they're used to, they're consumers of, yeah. of uh, material. So we have to capture their imagination, but it's easy. It, it, it can all be done. I think, I think when, once it became doable on a mobile phone without having to export, import, cut, yes. edit, renting, that's when the, the, the game changed for me. And just, just, just to add on to that, as well as me being missing and, and the students missing out, I suddenly found colleagues uh, looking forward to taking my class to, to cover because yes. all they had to do was go in and press play yes. and they'd sit there, no classroom management problems. Uh, it worked and I'd, I'd instruct, I'd say, your teacher now might pause the lesson for 10 minutes. And they'd yes. go up and they'd pause it and then the, the kids could go rewind, which they couldn't do to me in real life. They could yes. fast forward and they knew they had it at home then afterwards as well, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's very important. I was going to ask you, how did the students react to this? I mean, there's nothing like being in the same room as you, but as you said, you were using this for a particular part, you had a reason. How did they react to it? What was their feedback? Uh, very, very interesting. I, I reflected last week uh, and I went through a period of experimentation with with classes why i don't know maybe i was bored teaching michael i don't know maybe i was maybe i realized my teaching wasn't as effective as it possibly could be maybe i wanted to to capture the student voice i don't know but in the period of my experimentation the results went up the class participation went up but more importantly the end result and i only taught up first second and third years but there has been out of that particular three to five year experimentation phase of mine, there has been five or six woodwork or metalwork teachers has come out of it. And I think that isn't by accident. I think they yes. had a good experience inside in the class. Yes. What was their feedback? They loved it. They loved it, Michael. I remember sending out, before I ever started this, a Google form and I said, this is anonymous. I want to really capture your voice. This is your opportunity to cut the legs from under me and nobody will ever know. And we did, a, we did the survey and then we spent 80 minutes analysing the survey and we set ground rules for ourselves. How, how would, what would teaching and learning look like in my room, in their room going forward? Very good. Uh, one, one very interesting story jumps to mind. And this, this is important as well, Michael, because it highlights the challenges for teachers and school leaders. Yeah. I was walking down the corridor one day. This was pre the need for a policy for mobile phones. The policy was there's no mobile phones in the school. Okay. Yes, yes. But here's what greeted me. Her name, we'll call her Mary. Mary was outside the door. Mary was a very, very average student who tried her best inside in technical graphics, did ordinary level, 
uh, and really, really found it very, very challenging. And I approached the room and Mary was on her mobile phone, looking at her mobile phone. And I went up to Mary and I said, Mary, you'll have to put that away now, you know. What are you doing? Yes. And she says, I'm just sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. She says, I'm just having one more look at that video you sent out on Tuesday because I watched it three times and I have it. I have it. I know I have it. It's pr- and I want to go in and I want to prove to you that I have it this morning, today in class. Fantastic. The, the challenge I had then, Michael, was that was against the school policy. I know. So we had to, as school leaders then, we had to embrace that. We said, right, how can we empower students and empower teachers because without without mudding the waters, having a very, very clear rule and a clear approach to mobile phones while also giving that movement that that teachers and students could use it in a, in a positive manner. Well, as I'm struck by that story, I'm reminded of a video that Pat and I uh, share quite a lot. It's um, it's a Diana Laurie-Lard Laurie video that she um, uses. It's actually from the world of hairdressing, and it's a, I suppose it's a training video of a, an instructor in Leeds, a lady called Jackie Sharp, and she's using mobile phones with her students. They're all adults, I suppose, and they're they're using their phones in the in the studio. They're looking at the videos to see how to do various hair procedures. I'd use that term, and others are taking City and Gills formative assessment, and others are are, are they're not using any technology. So they're they're using their their mobile phones in a in to support learning. And your story seems to resonate with that. And and your model of blended learning. I mean, there are many models of blended learning, and particularly of the flipped classroom. Typically, the content is shared beforehand, and then the the classroom is actually reserved for more active learning and for discussion. But I think your model, and there is no one model, is much more about using the digital technology in the classroom so that the students can prep before they come and then also to actively engage with drawing or whatever it was when you weren't there. Is that a fair reflection or how did you evolve that when you were in the room with them? I suppose that's where it started. It it started out of a a need that Mm. that these students deserved. They came to school, they had a right to learn and they had a right to be taught. And how how do I manage to do that when I'm not physically present? So that's that's how it started. When it when I saw it working, it became uh, a means to to reinforce that complex area, whether it's drawing a hexagon or finding the in circle or in center of a triangle or whatever, whatever that key piece that I over to, from experience I realized that this was going to be challenging, and I yes. I built a bank of snippets, three to five minutes snippets, and I stored them and released them when 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 appropriate. Sometimes it was pre-learning your homework your homework is to look at this for three minutes now there was there used to be rejoicing so instead of doing three drawings that would take an hour and a half your homework now is to look at this clip on youtube three time uh three minute clip you only have to use it one look at it once but we're going to chat about that the next day coming in and what you and and so it it went to that it also went you know we, we 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 did this today in class I realize maybe not everybody has it and, and you, you may forget it going home on the bus. You certainly might forget it by the time you do homework on Thursday and there it is. Have a look at it. So it was, I, I didn't follow any one model, Michael. I kind of, yeah. as yeah. as the need arose, um, I, I, I brought it in. I tried to bring it to the next level of bringing yeah. in feedback. And again, this is where apps yeah. have got better and methods have got better. 
and the feedback because I I, I did realize uh, you know I, I was had the privilege of seeing John Hattie in person above in Dublin many yes. many years ago and yes. look I was convinced about the feedback and I said now I'm going to bring that into my 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 lessons but if you have a class of 24 and you say I'm going to give feedback for three minutes per student yeah. multiplied by 24 inside in class you that you, you know I asked myself where does the teaching happen then so I, I, there was apps there they were they were dependent on Wi-Fi I struggled to, to, to use the app to give the input so I imagine what what difficulty would a student have to receive it when the Wi-Fi wasn't there as well we, we moved on to different platforms and again but then going back we found and I found using the two what I would call the two main platforms that are in use in schools now pre and post COVID that it became very very easy to give that instant feedback to students while supported in by that conversation inside in class and that's very very important because whether it's whether it's teaching whether it's employment whether it's working with your colleagues or whatever I believe everything comes back to relationships and your flipped classroom or anything else won't work unless you've put in the groundwork building that relationship and trust inside in the classroom or inside in the building. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you completely. Um, and I think, um, and it's, it's, it's actually um, very reassuring to hear that you didn't have a one size fits all and that you used this approach uh, in multiple ways to fit around the needs of your students in the main. And and also you 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 made an uh, you said something there at the outset about experimentation and about your own practice evolving. And I suppose I would put it to you that that's part of teaching. We we constantly hear things like digital transformation, a term I don't really like, but we certainly as teachers and even myself as a teacher now more of adults than of of students is that we're constantly evolving and learning. And if we're not, the job could get very boring. I would say. It would get boring, and a lot of these. I, I, I think I'm a backwards learner, Michael, uh, and and you know, maybe we all are. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I often, I often am doing things, and then I see it described in a structured way by someone like yourself or or, or whoever mm. at a conference or or a, at an input, and I go, oh whoa, yeah, I'm doing that. I didn't realize yes, that's yes, what yes, called. yes. And I remember I, I, I did a a master's an MA in ICT in education. And it was it was hinged in, in around action research. And, you know, I didn't realize why I liked it at the time. But sure, when I look back and reflect, I loved it. I didn't just like yeah. it. I loved it because yeah. it was the action research part of it that I loved. Then what I'm speaking to you this afternoon about was action research. Yes. And I, I was at a Kassan, a teaching council uh, Kassan, um event last week. And if you look at the Kassan graphic, sure, it has action research written all over it. And we Absolutely. are, we love to call ourselves, we are professionals and we yeah. should be proud to be professionals. Yes. But with, with being a profession brings responsibility and ownership and accountability. I put myself, I make myself accountable to myself and yes. I put my pressure on myself at looking. I don't need external bodies doing that. Yeah. It's great to have them and it's great to have the support, but I actually do it for me and my students. What I'm speaking about is that action research and it ties in, look to that professional development that Kassan framework that we that we're bound to do but it is it should be we should be proud to do it and not actually see this as something that we're forced to do every other profession does this and I think we should embrace it and do it for our own good and the good of our students we're coming near the end and I think it's really interesting what you've done but just curious to know if other colleagues in the school um took this on and have you seen this or similar approaches 
working well in other subject areas? The way to infect, positively infect good practice around the school is, is uh, you know, having those water cooler moments, having the conversation, uh, not in, the, obviously, the formal capacity and through SSE and so on and so forth. But yes. you will gain a lot, uh, as much ground and even more ground with those personal connections and the people who trust you. And they look at John Murphy or Michael Hallisey or Donald O'Reilly and they say, well, Donald O'Reilly is doing this below in the room. His door is open. That was another thing I had, an open door policy in the room. I, I just left the door open. And if, if somebody was passing, they would be invited in. If they wanted to see what was happening, we'd show them. If they didn't, that was all well and good. But inevitably, through the SNS supervision scheme, uh, I would say certainly over the course of, of the three years, almost every member of staff or, or a high percentage of, of members of staff would have witnessed that inside in my classroom. Yes. And they would have planted the seed of thought and people would have come back afterwards and said you know how how did you do that uh, mm -hmm. what what benefits do you find and it, it would have spread and and i suppose the fact that they saw and, and i would have been of the mantra that it can't be extra work for you it should make your life easier and the Absolutely. student's life easier and your colleague's life easier because it's much easier to go in and and have a class working rather than supervising class is there good practice Again, uh, Twitter can be a very, very positive space and Twitter can be a very, very negative space. But mm. my goodness, when you see what's happening, even even in the last week, over the last weekend, the amount of subject conferences that I've seen on uh, yes. and looking looking at, at the coding that's going on across the country and looking mm. at, at, at how we have moved mountains in schools yeah. because of COVID and being forced to go online and be creative about being going online. I think there is good practice happening up and down the country from, from north, south, east to west. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. And I suppose coming back to this idea of the flipped classroom, because it is very much, it's part of the blended learning, it's part of blended learning. It's, it's, it's one particular strategy. And I was actually listening to a podcast myself there um, on a drive down to Gary uh, last weekend, The Cult of Pedagogy, in an interview with uh, Caitlin Tucker about blended learning. And of course, uh, flip classroom is one of the models in there and at the European level there is quite a focus on how we can create this you know take forward the lessons learned in COVID and one of them is and you've talked a lot about it is inclusive and inclusion and helping our students that they that story of the girl out in the corridor and uh, you know and how you personalized learning for her I, I think that's very powerful, Donal. Uh, and would you agree that there is that we probably need more examples by subject area on how to do this in a meaningful way? And when I say meaningful, I also mean in a time efficient way that people are not thinking that, oh, my goodness, how could I do that? Because it's going to take so much time. Yeah, I, th I think we do. Although I shy away from, you know, when exemplars, um, because exemplars can be seen as this is the this is the way you should do it whereas i think what really is crucial and critical is the teacher looking at their own students in their own context and, yes. and what works for them and asking the students and and again before you ask the students building the relationship and trust so that the students feel and know that that when they give you their opinion their opinion will be will be taken on board and I think the answer to your question, of course, you're 100% right, but creating 
artifacts of exemplars are, are, are the best in the class and, and naming or identifying subjects or teachers, I think, isn't the way to go. I think yeah. it's the, the subject support networks that are there. Yes, the, yes. The, the, your, your, the professional networks that, are, that I'm involved in myself, the, t- the professional networks that, yeah. that the teachers across the country are involved in. Again, I look at a, a, a piece of paper from notes that I took last week at that Teaching Council Kassan Stakeholders event. And this is what I'm seeing through our work in CSL, reflecting back on why I started to change my, my teaching and my approach. And this is, I think, what teachers and school leaders need. And I think uh, they're, they're doing very, very well at the moment, but I think they need support to, to do it further. Time, space, working in clusters. Yeah. And those clusters are those, the, 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 the clustering and their involvement in a teacher professional net, network or, or, or whatever their professional network is, they need to, to be dipping in locally, mm-hmm. regionally and nationally. Yeah. And then you're getting now, and I would actually add another one, and you know, know you, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> know you that, that it's the European dimension. As <laughs> yeah, well. absolutely. And without absolutely. a doubt, I was really challenged by what was coming from Europe and yeah. my involvement with European Schoolnet and e-twinning yeah. and the likes. Yeah. And yeah. but I think that's 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 the way forward. And when you're when you're in those networks and you have the time and the space to chat, yes, yeah. you have the the informal chats over the coffee, whatever. The, yeah. the teach meets that are happening all over the country. And that's how people will be nudged and provoked and walk away and go, right, that's brilliant now what Michael Hallis has said. What will that look like in Killarney Community College to Don O'Reilly teaching yes. second year graphic? Yeah, look, I think that's a, that's a lovely way to finish. I think it comes back, actually, to that word that you used there. And it was, it was uh, lovely that you mentioned the Teaching Council and Cosson and your own work in uh, the Centre for School Leadership. Because ultimately, and I'm a, a firm believer that uh, teaching and teachers are professionals and that we're a learning profession. We're not just a teaching profession. And I think having those, having time and space and clusters, and again, we've seen a lot of this ourselves in our own work, when people are given that time and space and an opportunity to connect, and I agree with you that the, the wider, the better, that they learn and I'm often struck by, you know, and I I take on board your point, we shouldn't be using exemplars, and I would agree with you, it's examples. And what we should do is, I'm always a believer that, you know, if I see something myself, and you being a good cork man, I being a good carry man, I would say, oh, that's a good idea, but I could make that better. (laughs) And everyone has that view, you know, and somebody will see something maybe that's used in another subject area, and they'll take it and they'll make it their own and they'll do something different with it. And having those chats and something that you said to me, Oni, quite recently, that you learn more from our discussions than you ever do from just hearing something that I say. And I think, you know, it's these professional conversations really is what we're after so that teachers can share at the water cooler in their own school. But then online now is allowing us to connect with the world beyond our schools and to learn with and from each other. So, Donald, I'm going to give you the last word, but thanks a million for sharing your thoughts with us this afternoon. It's been fascinating. I could go on forever, but I'm sure people have other things going on in their lives. But I want to thank you sincerely for making the time, and I'll hand to you for the last word. I thank you as well. The two words that, that come to mind uh, when, when, I speak, when I speak to you, provoke and challenge. And every time I, I have a, a chat with you, which I, 
always in joy and they're always too short and we're always rushing uh, and we we and they're always on the phone we still have hadn't had the opportunity to, ha to have it over coffee but i provoke my own thinking and you provoked my thinking and i i challenge myself coming away from that and you challenge my thinking as well and and whilst they, they might be two uh, words that people would traditionally have seen them as negative i find them fierce positive and i actually walk away upbeat and uplifted and, and and I try to surround myself with people like that. And I would encourage anybody, surround people with those. It's critical friendship, really, is what it's called in, in, in the action research world. But surround yourself with those people who will actually nudge you and provoke you and challenge you. And I think we'll all get better. We'll all improve with people like that. Donald, thanks a million. And look, yeah, I mean, I think tri critical discussion is where it's at, it's at. But look, a pleasure. And we'll have that cup of coffee in the black sheep before too long. All the best. Take care.